Ah, kia ora everybody, how are we doing? Welcome to another edition of Wednesday Night with Nige. My name is Nigel Yolden, thank you so much. Apologies for the slightly later delay, uh, 9.30 if you're watching on the live stream, if you're listening to the podcast, you've got no issues, to be perfectly frank. Um, but to those of you who did uh, wait, I do greatly appreciate it. I just went actually down, had an opportunity to catch up with uh, a few friends this evening, so I trundled down to the wonderful Tarapa Tavern and caught up with uh, the Watchdog and D-Rock, a couple of members of one of the uh, better NRL fantasy leagues going around at the moment, the mighty PHWs. Uh, so good to get down. Have a, funny enough, it was actually a really good warm-up because we were talking about quite a lot of issues as it relates to sport, uh, talking a little bit of Silver Lake, talking a little bit of uh, NRL. Um, funny enough, just spoke a little bit of... A, bit of education as well sort of floated in there too it sort of cross mingled and bounced around so that was really really nice so do appreciate you uh if you did wait up that little bit longer um just because don't get that many opportunities to be able to do it and it was nice to be able to catch up with a a couple of mates and and chat as always it is awesome to catch up with you folks as well Uh, as is always the case here on wednesday night with nige put out a post on the facebook page that is facebook.com forward slash nigel sports on Monday, calling for any questions, topics, points of discussion that you would like to sort of have a little bit of interaction with, uh, maybe throw a question or two at me, which is what some people have done, and then uh, an opportunity as well via the uh, comment section. You've got the ability to throw some questions at me as well, as you so desire. So to those of you who have stayed up a little bit later, thank you so much. Uh, won't be a normal occurrence uh, but as I say, just made that adjustment tonight just because it, w- it was nice, as I say, to go catch up with a few mates. So we have got questions coming up from Daniel, DG, Isaac, Craig and uh, Aiden. If you do want to add a question, go to the comments section right now. Pop it in there. Be more than happy to ask any other questions that you have got. If you are listening to the podcast version of this, just look out for the post on a Monday, or just DM me, give the page a follow, that's facebook.com forward slash Nigel Sports. Give it a follow, send it in, and uh, we'll get stuck into any questions that you want. We'll pop it up and just listen sort of late Wednesday, early Thursday morning is generally when it goes up across the various podcast uh, forms or platforms uh, that we utilise here. So let's get uh, straight into this. We're going to start with some rugby league, and it's from your old mate Daniel. Nigel, where do we draw the line on head-high tackles, especially in the NRL? It seems former players aren't too happy about the way that it is being handled. It's quite interesting because it's not just the former players. There's obviously quite a bit happening with regards to current players as well. Uh, there's this talk about a possible boycott, uh, people talking about uh, you know, Peter Valandri, should he continue in his role? Watch the great conversation with three very, very good rugby league journos. Uh, David Riccio, Andrew Webster, who I think is outstanding out of the Sydney Morning Herald, and Michael, I believe it's pronounced Chamis, uh, who's now with the uh, with NRL.com. And they were talking about this, and, and hearing Andrew Webster saying that he has fielded and had conversations with current players, asking him about the constitution of the NRL and how they would go about maybe uh, getting Peter Valandries out of his current role. Now, I find it quite interesting. I think we had this as a question a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night with Nige talking about the, the head high crackdown. I found the timing of the crackdown odd. Magic Round was where they really sort of cranked into it. 
I repeat, and I've said this with regards to rugby, and I think a lot of these high contact sports are looking at what happened in the NFL and what they had to pay with regards to the settlement around issues as it relates to to head brain injuries. And Valandres has said that himself. I watched uh, an interview that he did with Ben Eichen and Paul Kent on NRL 360, which to me I still think is one of the best uh, sports shows going around on television uh, either side of the ditch at the moment, again, just my opinion. Um, and he, he, he said it was very straight up about, you know, it is a little bit about protecting against future future litigation. What I think is happening is, have they gone over the top a little bit? Maybe. Uh, but the referees will be just following instructions, and uh, we've seen the crackdown, so I don't think we can put it all onto them. I think where we are getting to is... We're getting to a point that I'd hope sport, particularly rugby, league, there were a couple of others probably thrown in there as well, that, that we didn't get to. But I think what we're going to eventually get to is if you want the sport played the way it used to be, where you know it was celebrated when you knocked somebody out or put a shot on that really rattled somebody's cages. If you want to do that, and if that's what the players want, then I think what you're going to find is that you will have to sign a waiver because any good organisation, ironically, with a brain in their head, is going to make sure that they protect themselves down the road. And they want to protect their players. Their players are massive assets. And so I think it's right for them to want to protect them. It's what World Rugby is doing in addition to protecting against future litigation. So, from my point of view, what we're going to get to is if you want to keep playing the game that way and you are willing to do so, you're going to have to sign a waiver. And then the NRL, what they really do is they market the game, promote the game, but if you have that injury, you don't have that fallback. I think that's the way it's going. Um, Some of the former players... Yeah, just just take a big step back and, and realise that times do change. The games evolve, but more so, the athletes playing the game evolve. Look at the size of them. Look at the speed of them. We've, we've mentioned this before. Look at the density of the bodies. Okay, these are highly tuned athletes. They are working out on state-of-the-art exercise equipment. They have got so much science available to them, so much technology available to them. They've got so much information with regards to uh, their nutrition. They've got um, psychological help to be able to help with regards to uh, getting the best out of themselves. So the game is only going to get bigger, faster. The contacts are already I would hate to see any of the scientific um, information around sort of what sort of forces are coming together and and the measurement of some of these collisions. So have they drawn the line? Have they gone over the top? Yes, but if they have gone over the top, what that does give them, Daniel, is room to tone it back down. And that's where I haven't seen as of yet. I've not seen the NRL say, okay, look, we need to maybe just drop it back a peg. Um, And so I think from that point of view, I think some of the older players just need to take a big deep breath, realise the difference, 
And I think some of these players that are talking about, you know, maybe getting rid of... There is no NRL without Valandri's the way that he has gone about it the last couple of years. Now, you can question the methods as much as you want, but what he has done is he has been outstanding for the NRL. Has he got it wrong here? Probably. Name a person in a job who doesn't, who gets everything right. So I think everyone just needs to take a deep breath. I know the Roosters were particularly vocal. They're pretty vocal, probably uh, along, probably be upset at what has happened to Victor Radley. Victor Radley just has to change. He can still tackle that hard. Just change your height. It's as simple as that. And that's just a technique thing. And again, it's just an evolution of the game. So uh, with regards to its handling, I think now is the time where you go, right, we just need to adjust it down. We've had this. We've had a bit of a benchmark. Okay, people are upset. But we still need to be protecting you guys. We still have your best interests in heart. At heart, I should say. So now I think is the time for the discussion to be had. Um, all the chat, though, of getting rid of Valandries for me, it's just foolish from an NRL point of view. Thank you for the question, Daniel. Great question. DG, who would be the best option for number seven for the All Blacks this year with Sam Kane being out? Sam Kane will come back later in the year, but the best option is Artie Savia. Problem is, for me, and I've got this on my All Blacks depth chart, um, which if you go back a couple of uh, posts on the Facebook page, you can link into the little website I've got there. I've also got Artie Savi uh, as being your best eight option. So it comes down to, who do you want to start at eight? Who do you want to start at seven? Do you want to use Artie as an eight, that ability to hybrid? Do you want to use him as a seven, with the likes of a Hoskins Satutu at eight, and a um, Shannon Frizzell at a six, per se? That's really what it comes down to for me. I would like to see, with Sam out, I'd like to see Artie playing seven. Uh, I'd like to see him partnered up with Hoskins Satutu at number eight and Shannon Frizzell at number six, based on the way they are playing at the moment. Stunned to see Hoskins Satutu on the bench for this game for the Blues against the Reds. Um, haven't had a chance to read much about that, but from my point of view, that's your best option at the moment. If you want to start Artie at eight, then it's Dalton Papali'i. Papali'i on current form as the seven, again paired up with Shannon Frizzell. That would be the way I would look at it there. Second question from DG, double dipping. A couple of people double dipping. Aiden does that a bit later on here as well. How would my Wellington Saints go if they played in the Aussie NBL? Um, I don't think they'd make the playoffs. They would be competitive. Um, again, that would come down to how they recruited. Um, but I think based on the rosters that we've seen, they would be competitive, but they wouldn't make the playoffs. Just my opinion. Would be nice to see them expand out, though. And um, maybe Nick Mills, that's something he might look at if they ever look at doing that. I think the Saints would be a great place. It's, it's a basketball town. It's a great basketball town. Uh, great team, great heritage, amazing heritage and history. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see that, DG. But if you're talking about the group they've got at the moment, competitive, not making the playoffs, in my opinion. From Isaac, as we go back to NRL, I've just sort of, of these off. I haven't sort of grouped them up like I normally do. Uh, is it unfair that Queensland are going to host the first two games of State of Origin? Uh, when I do believe it was New South Wales turn to host two games and it took the first one to Melbourne, or is it good for the game? Well, is it unfair? Um, yeah, because it's meant to be a neutral game. I like the idea of just having a neutral game and then one one and one. Um Going to towns, it, it makes sense though to take it to Townsville for a starter because that stadium's lit. That stadium is just awesome. Um, what were your options? You could take it to Canberra, 
Um, yeah, probably not. Uh, no offence, Canberra. Uh, go back to Sydney, to one of those places. Take it over to Perth. Um, gee, I don't know. You could have bought it. Is, is this not the best opportunity to bring that game to Auckland? Just saying. Just saying. Um, obviously, we've got the issue with the travel bubble and all that sort of thing. But that, that would have, you know, I like that idea. I would have liked that idea. Now, look, it's one, it was interesting. I, I, the reason I start la laughing, Isaac, is because I just watched um, one of the features again from 360, and it's um, Jeff Toovey Investigates, or Jeff Toovey Investigation. <laughs> got to be an investigation. And he's talking about how they've got that second game up there, pointing out that Queensland's broke. $8 million spent to get this game. Having a real crack at the Premier. It's not even election year. You don't need more votes. To be teeing off. Absolute gold. Um, is it good for the game? It's a great venue. Great surface. It'll be a great atmosphere. Does it give Queensland an advantage? Yes, because you're going to get two cracks. Do you think that's going to fire up that New South Wales team? Of course it is. Um, do I think still on paper New South Wales has probably got the better team? Yeah. Uh, why? Because they've got Nathan Cleary, who's been just extraordinary this year. Um, but, you know, I would still have preferred maybe if they could have tried to have taken it to another venue, not to Townsville, try and get it out of the states of Queensland and New South Wales, just to have that neutrality for the, the third one, uh, for the opener, I should say. Uh, it's going to be... Is it going to be good for the game? Yeah, because there's going to be so many storylines, Isaac, that are going to flow off it. You know, New South, someone will come in and just say, oh, it's rubbish. Maybe that's what Tuvi was all about. Maybe it was his sort of firing the first shot. But it's going to fire up New South Wales. It'll fire up Queensland. There'll be a bit of heat going on, um, but I, which ultimately I think is good for State of Origin. Should be good fun. thing I'm going to be interested to watch about State of Origin is, going back to Daniel's first point, how is it officiated? Because we often hear about the, the state of origin rulings that they have in the NRL. So that first game, and I haven't sat up and watched too many in recent years. I'm probably going to sit up and watch that game. Because I want to watch the officiating. I want to see whether this crackdown on the high shots filter over into origin. Or whether there's that relaxation of the rules that we sometimes see when it's state against state, mate against mate. I think that'll be interesting. Thank you very much, Isaac. Appreciate the question. Craig, do you think there should be bonus points in Rugby World Cup pool games? Yes. Need something to have some kind of delineation. Um, look, if two teams end up tied on the same number of points, which doesn't often happen, um, I think the bonus points, when I say tied on, maybe have the same number of wins, close losses. Yeah, I think you've got to have bonus points. I think it is, particularly when there's quite a lot at stake, not just for the first two, but also that third team, the automatic qualification spot you get for finishing third in your pool is huge, absolutely huge. So I think you do need to have it. Um, we know that teams are obviously going to get the bonus, but I, I would like to see them maybe... Um, adjust the bonus points again so that it's that you've got to score three more tries than your opposition as opposed to the four tries. Um, I would like to see that. Uh, but, yeah, I think you still have to have it, Craig, um, just to try and have some delineation more down, as I say. I think it's more probably prevalent around positions three and four for that automatic, that third place, that automatic spot at the next Rugby World Cup. That's where I think it's most important not so much one and two for the most part. Final question. 
got through these pretty quickly. Actually, this could be quite a short, uh, short broadcast tonight. So if you do have questions, uh, chuck them into the comment section now because I'll be otherwise I'll be through and dusted and heading to bed. Even the coffee's still warm. That's how quick we're getting through it this time. So Aiden's double dipping. I'm going to leave his first question. I'll do your second question first, um, Aiden. Uh, 9,296 at McLean Park Friday night for Force v Hurricanes. Should more Super Rugby fixtures be played outside of the main centres? Um, well, I've always liked that thought. I'd, I'd like to see a lot more teams sort of take them on the road. I know that there is a cost involved to hosting a game. Um, so I know that can be quite prohibitive. I know I'd sort of ask questions, you know, do you reckon that Wanganui... Uh, could have hosted one, then I heard some of the numbers that you've got to have to in order to host. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll just stick with the pre-season game. And then, of course, they took that to Waverley. Give me a break. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see it, but it really comes down to if they're still using the model, as I understand it, it's can some of those provincial unions afford to be able to do it? And the answer there, quite simply, is no. So it would be nice to be able to do it when and where possible, um, it, it just because it spreads it around. What I would really like to see is I'd like to see it start with some of the... Prov- with some of the provinces, and I've mentioned this before based on where I live, I'd love to see, yeah, sure, why can't I play some of those big games, those traditional games against Auckland where you've got the rivalry, play them at FMG Stadium, why can't I, by all means, but heck, why not take a game out to Albert Park in Tiawamuchu, why not take a game to Memorial Park in Cambridge, go out to Campbell Park in Morrisville, uh, go play them there, do some work, make sure that obviously the, the pitches are up to the requirements, excuse me, the required standard, but please, um, you know, I, I think, we, we talk a little bit about it, we want to go straight to super rugby level, I'd like to see some of the provinces spread it around a little bit, I know, um, was it, um, Northland, I Northland took the game to, uh, was it, around, around Waitangi, um, was it Waitangi? Yeah, it was, they, they spread it around a little bit there, Wellington, okay, do you have to play at the Caketon? Yeah, sure, I can understand why, but why not take something out to Jerry Collins Stadium? I'd like to see that. You know, the mark will obviously sort of bounce uh, between Nelson and Blenheim. That works. Canterbury could spread around. Does it have to be in Christchurch? Can you take it to other venues around there? Otago, likewise, where you've got a region uh, and maybe you've got some other venues that are available. Why not? Um, you know, Auckland, do you have to play at Eden Park? Why can't you go out to Trust Stadium in Waitakere? I just move it round, bounce it round, try it. See, I'd like, love to see some of the provinces try this. I know we get a lot onto to Super Rugby, but let's see if some of the provinces, maybe that would help as well with the engagement at that Bunnings NPC level. Um, Farah Palmer Cup, likewise. You know, just bounce it around. I, I love the idea of the double headers and that sort of a thing, but yeah, every once in a while, um, you know, let, let's think about those sort of things and seeing whether if it works then at that level, maybe then... It just gives a little bit more credence to be able to say, hey, Super Rugby franchises, hey, how about here? How about there? That sort of a thing. I know with Super Rugby, there's obviously you've got to have the um, infrastructure with so many things uh, around the rules of the competition, but look, I'd, I'd love to see it bounce around, Aiden. I really, really would. Um, as I say, I'm not as up to date with whether there is still that financial contribution, but... Look, most of the times the Super Rugby tra- franchises, because th- they are feeling the pinch as well, they just want to try and maximise revenue so they want the biggest possible venue so they can try and get as many people in as humanly possible so they can balance their books too. So it's a real catch-22 scenario. 
Aiden's second question. And this has been a massive topic of conversation. What are your thoughts on Naomi Osaka's decision not to go to her post-match press conferences at the French Open? Now, Aiden sent this in prior to Naomi uh, withdrawing from the tournament and, and citing uh, the mental health and well-being reasons. This is such a complex issue. Now, one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be very deliberate with the way I try and explain this. Okay, one. Well done, Naomi Osaka, for recognising this issue in yourself and wanting to try and do something to make your life a little bit more stressful and manageable. And I know people are going to go, oh, do the eye roll, or reddish hues, all of this. Look, it's clearly real. Okay, take take the money and the fame and all that, that away from it. This young lady clearly has anxiety issues. And so what she was trying to do was take that away and try and make her life, make, just make it a little bit easier, still be part of the tournament. Um, the second part of it is that she just got it wrong. She just, it appears as though she went the wrong way about it. Should have had the discussion before going to social media, chatted with people, chatted with the organisers and tried to figure out a way to be able to still do that or try and figure out a way to manage it so it's less stressful or just say, hey, look, I do this or that or if I skip you know, contribution, try and make it some kind of, turn it into some kind of a positive. So I've got, I've got no issue with this young lady whatsoever acknowledging that she has got this issue because that is... Such so a massive thing for a lot of people, and to be able to do it at her age, given her profile, that's actually quite significant. Because she could have just tried to keep bashing on, and she would have done even more damage to herself. So I, I don't have an issue with it. It's just the way she went about it, and I think if she had her time again now, she probably would have done things differently. Maybe her handers would have done things differently, because. What was ironic to me was when, when this all started to happen, I'd actually been reading an, an article, a chat with Naomi Osaka in, I think it, was a, it might have been a Toronto newspaper, talking about um, the wealth and the fame and the marketing and the sponsorships. And, and it was excellent. It was a, a wonderful read. It was beautifully written. Uh, her, her quotes made perfect sense to me. I thought, okay, that, that's really cool. It was a really great. And then it was a complete sort of uh, out, outlier, and or not an outlier, but a complete contrary to, to what we then saw with regards to happening at the at the French Tennis Open. Part of me initially was like, oh, is she just trying to avoid questions about, because she doesn't play well on clay, because I know when she goes to Europe that that has been something that has been spoken about in the past. But no, there's, there's clearly a lot more to it. So we just... Need to be a little bit more understanding. I can understand where French Open and the WTA were coming from, saying we can't make exceptions and, and that sort of a thing. But I think what, what this highlights is that there does need to be other options other than the sit-down press conference. Because, and I'll, I'll speak from a journalistic point of view, the fact is, is there are some people who just are not good in that environment. And... If she is acknowledging that, that's cool. The thing now is, right, 
what's the alternative? How do we get a, a resolution so that the journalists who are there still get the opportunity to do their job? Um, and so it's, it's a real, real catch-22. But there are some athletes, um, and I'm going to use an example of one, and I, and I hope he doesn't mind, and that was Ma'anonu. Ma'a wasn't always the best in a press conference situation. But you sit Ma'a down on his own, just tucked around the corner somewhere, gold. Absolute gold. Remember, a it's one of the last games of an end-of-year tour. We were in Cardiff. It was a bit of a battle as to was it going to be Sonny Bill who was going to start at 12? Was it going to be Ma'a that started at 12? They both had really good seasons. And I had the opportunity to speak. I was one of the last ones to speak to Ma'a. It was a one-on-one situation. And he'd been doing a few. And uh, I just said, oh, look, it was a bit rowdy. I said, do you mind if we pop around the corner? And Ma'a's like, yeah, sure. There's a couch around here. So I went down. He sat down one end. I sat down the other. And I just sort of looked at him. And he goes, oh, already know what the first question's going to be. I said, you know I have to ask it though, don't you? He said, yeah, I know. Turned the recorder on. I turned the recorder on. I didn't even have to answer the question because he just answered it straight away. And I just sat there for four minutes. I maybe asked another two or three questions. And he was great. He spoke in sound bites, uh, which for a radio person is, you know, real nice grabs of around that 10 to 12. He spoke with knowledge. He was open and candid, and it was just it was just the two of us, just in this little spot, and that's the thing where uh, he was superb. You put him sometimes in a stand up, and, and it just wasn't his thing, uh, and so I think you need to acknowledge that, and, and athletes need to acknowledge it, and that's what it is with Naomi Osaka. She has acknowledged the fact that she doesn't like doing that. So the big thing now is how do you get the alternative? What is the other option so that the the Journalists who are there to cover the game, to provide coverage of that sport for countries around the world, whatever it may be, how, how, how are they still able to do their job? So I think this is the thing now for the, the powers that be in tennis and Naomi to talk about because we do not want to lose this young lady because she is a quite extraordinary talent. And it's one of the things now that um, as I get on, it, it's it's cool because, and, and I noticed Mark Stafford sort of uh, tweeted about this as, as well. Um, uh, Staffy going to be the uh, afternoon host on SEN. He got to talk to her when she came out here for um, the tennis tournament in Auckland. I was lucky enough, I was um, doing some relief work over the new year and it always sort of coincided with the, the tennis. So I got to speak to a few people. I got to interview Naomi Osaka and she was lovely. She was shy but she was funny we we didn't talk for long might have been about five minutes or so but but she was delightful but you could hear the the shyness and the, the little bit of hesitancy but she she still did did the interview and she was delightful and so that's something i've always thought now it's kind of like oh it's i got to interview her i got to interview the young lady who is now the number one tennis player in the world and so it, it's a real, it's a real torn thing for me, Aiden, because uh, I want her to be comfortable in her own skin. Because that's something a lot of people battle with each and every day.
being comfortable in your own skin is a hard thing to do. To get to that point. Uh, and, and so that's what I want her to be. To be comfortable. And to be happy. And to be able to go back out and thrill us with her athletic feats on a tennis court. Because she is glorious to watch. She is a lovely, lovely tennis player. But you do want the human being to be good first and foremost. And then there's the part of me, the, the bloke who's just celebrated a, a year of unemployment. It was a year yesterday that I did my last shift for Radio Sport. And someone who would love to get back into sports journalism on a, a regular basis, who wants to make sure that there are these things that happen because it means there's jobs for those people who have a, a passion and a love for sport as well and love reporting about sport. Um, I think if you want a really good, and I mean a seriously good piece of writing about the Naomi Osaka situation, go to sportsfreak.co.nz. Um, she calls herself Harbour Heather. I know her as Heather. I don't even know her surname. It's the most brilliantly balanced article that I have read thus far. There's been a lot written about Naomi Ozaka, but I think Heather has absolutely nailed it. So sportsfreak.co.nz, it's the website curated by Graham Beasley. Um, I think that's a must read. She, it's brilliantly worded, and it, it just hits all the right um, points as it relates to both sides of the story. So if you want a really good read on the situation, I can't recommend that highly enough. I'll say it again, sportsfreak.co.nz. Dot co dot nz. It's by Harbour Heather. I, I, Heather, I'd love to know what your surname is so I can actually call you by your proper name. And um, I know that's the thing that Freak does. He puts sort of those little things as opposed to uh, their actual names. But Heather, it's a beautiful bit of writing. Well done to you. You hit all of the points so more majestically than I can ever convey them. It's just absolutely superb. Well done to you. Um, but as I say, I just first and foremost want that young lady to be right in her own skin and then work with herself, her handlers and the people involved with tennis so we can get her back and we can get back enjoying and, and in a way that she is comfortable and happy. Those are two massive things, absolutely massive things. So there we go Aidan, I hope that has answered that particular question. I'm going to have a quick sip of the coffee before it gets any colder. Mmm. Oh, that's good. Righty-ho. Let's get stuck into some questions from the comments. Thanks you to everybody for uh, sending them through. Uh, those people who did send the questions through, I should say, uh, via the Facebook page. Reminder, facebook.com forward slash NigelNZ. Uh, if you want to flick your questions through, if you are listening on the podcast, you can do that as well. Uh, and then obviously just listen back to it. Uh, evening, Craig. Good evening, Semi. Trending in from uh, Sydney. Jason. Hi, Nigel. Thoughts on a possible Potts return to Tottenham? Yes! Yes! Make it happen now. Make it happen now. No, no offence to Ryan Mason. Get him back, because if we get him back, Harry might stay. So I'm deathly, deathly concerned that Harry's going to go. Um, it was funny. I've spoken about how I was, I was down chatting to a couple of mates. Uh, D-Rock, uh, one of the members of that fantasy rugby league, uh, NRL fantasy uh, league that I play in, he he reckoned he he always reckoned and his mate who's an absolute 
EPL nut always thought there was something wrong, there was something amiss with Potch leaving. Thinks that it makes sense. There's something there that that's why he's coming back. I would love to have Mauricio Pochettino back at Tottenham Hotspur. Please, please. Um, but this is a club run by Daniel Levy, so I'm not going to hold my breath. Thank you, though, Jason, for, for that. Thank you, Poch, for giving me hope. I, I do hope we see you back sooner rather than later. Please, please. Harry, stay. Stay, Harry. Don't go. Don't leave me, Harry. Uh, from John, a Super Rugby franchises won't take games to the regions unless it's assured to be a profit to them, hence the cost. Yep, there we go. So that's obviously still sort of must be the case. Uh, Northland took a game to Kaikoui last year and got a crowd of about 400. Provincial games at club grounds will always struggle because the unions don't invest in infrastructure of club rugby, unfortunately. Well, this is the thing. They can't afford to. This is the reason why this whole Silver Lake thing, Brad, is such a, a massive, massive thing. If they could have some of that trickle down so there is those funds made available, maybe they can. Look, if you've got... Look, I remember a couple of years ago, and I might have said this before, and I do apologise if I have, Waikato Rugby had a whole bunch of games throughout the season, and they made a profit on one game. It was a game, it was a Shield Challenge uh, player between Waikato and Horrifin or Carpety out of Morrisville. That's the only one that made money. Um, so I, I, there's something there. If you can get the standard of pitch, why not? Um, Sky have proven that they are able to broadcast from those particular venues. I know from a radio point of view, it is possible to get a broadcast out of those sort of venues as well. So why not look to do it? Start there. And then if you can, you know, if they come up, then maybe there comes a possibility for, I don't really think it's, you know, it's going to be a club ground for a Super Rugby game, but take it to a, a stadium maybe that can hold sort of maybe a ten to 15,000. Pack it out. Get the atmosphere going. Um, and and utilise it. So, yeah, I, I would I'd love to see that, but I'd love to see teams that have the ability to take them around. Like, um, Man or Two last year playing, was it at Fielding? Mansfield? Somewhere around there? Sweet. Love it. Pukikura Park. Taranaki playing a game at Pukikura Park. Love that idea. Love that concept. I think that's going to be huge. Love that. So let's. I, I think there should be some provincial unions who should think about maybe trying to do that a little bit more. Just my opinion. Cheers, Brad. Don't be late to work tomorrow. Uh, from Craig, Queenstown Event Centre must be the most underutilised venue in the country. Touring rugby teams seem to use it for training. Warm-up cricket games get played there, and that seems to be about it. Yep, it, it, agree. Absolutely agree. Um, and it's a shame that we never got to see it because of what happened with the whole situation in Melbourne. Would have loved to have seen that game Sunday afternoon. Highlanders Rebels down there, um, but sadly, not to be, not to be. ICC announced today that the Men's 50 Over World Cup will be 14 teams in 2027-2031. Men's T20 World Cup will be expanded to 20 teams. From 2024, and the Champions Trophy will be back. Like the Champions Trophy coming back. 14 teams. Really? Come on. Oh, look, hey, I suppose you've got to have a crack at, at expanding the games. And, and look, there are some teams that are making some very good progress in, in the levels down. So, yeah, let's hope so. I'd, I'd like to be proven wrong. The, man, the T20 expanded to 20 teams. That seems like a massive reach to me, Craig. That seems like a huge reach. 14 for a World Cup. Yeah. Maybe, but dang. 20 for it. Yeah, not sold. Love to see the Champions Trophy back. That's kind of cool.
Uh, from Brad, we always make sacrifices to be successful in what we do. There's always aspects of any job that is difficult and confronting. If people are not prepared to take the challenges that come with their chosen path or career, yes, step away. I, yeah, I think this one is, this is clearly different because this, I say that because this young lady has got anxiety issues. As I said, we, we saw that going back whenever it was that she played in, in Auckland and she has been able to deal with it. And I know there's been a number of theories with regards to it. This here is, I think, a little bit different than difficult and confronting. This is obviously something that physically affects this woman. That is a little bit different to my mind. And clearly it mentally affects her as well. And The, the mental affectation inhibits her, I guess, from that, that physical point of view when she is in those particular situations. So, as I say, if she's going to be a top-level tennis player, which she is, and they have got these media commitments, and people are going to want to see and hear from her. Um, and I understand that there are you know, all different portals to be able to do it, but I still think, you know, if everyone else can do... Man, why, why don't you just go in and do the old Marshawn Lynch? I'm here so I don't get fined. Do that for five minutes like Marshawn did that time. Thank you for your question. I'm here so I don't get fined. Um, but no, I, I generally think this this is clearly a, a strong issue for this lady. So, yep, I do agree with what you are saying, but I think this is like one where you can't do the old sort of snowball it all together. I think you've got to see this one in a little bit in isolation. I think you should always sort of look at these things in isolation, but you've got to have the discussion, and I still come back to the fact I really think that I understood what she was trying to do I think she just could have done it better. And I think that first point, she should have had some of these discussions before going to social media or people who she works with or managers, that sort of thing. They should have had those discussions as well. As I said, and I will say it repeatedly, I just hope she feels better and gets better and gets comfortable and gets happier with herself. That is that is the big thing. And I care if you're number one tennis player in the world, Ranked 100 in golf, ranked 200 in squash, um, driving go-karts out of the go uh, kart You've just got to be try and be happy and comfortable with who you are as a human being. And as I said before, that's a real challenge for a lot of people on a daily basis. There are a lot of people who struggle for long, long periods of their life to get an understanding of themselves. Some people um, only sort of get that understanding as they uh, approach the end of. You know, life, life ain't easy, as Tyson Fury said. You know, life comes at you hard, punches you in the face, and you've got to roll with it sometimes. But, you know, it's it's one of the great uh, things that certain successful people do is that they have that ability, they understand themselves. And having an actual understanding of yourself, I think, would be so much more rewarding than having... It's nice when people understand you, can be frustrating though when some people understand you better than you understand yourself. So you know, real. The, the ch look, the, there there are challenges. Real, that really is. That's why we need to be kind. We need to be understanding. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be caring. We need to listen. All those sort of things. Um, cheers, uh, Brad. Good uh, good conversations coming in here and from Nick. Uh, I love those thoughts. Nice. See you at Pookie Park, August seven. Heaven's Cricket Club for a game of rugby. Dude, that's just going to be awesome. That is just going to be awesome. I just love it. It's just such an amazing 
venue with the terracing. Um, just love it. Heaven's Cricket Club. Heaven's Cricket Club. And they're going to play rugby there. I wonder who they got commentating. I wonder if I can get on that one. Tim. Tim, if you're watching, available. Available for that game in the Naki at Pukakura Park. Put me on it, mate. I'd, I'd love to do that one. <laughs> Let me add him. Let me add him, champ. That would be so cool. Uh, look, we're coming to the end of this. No more comments to this point. I will give it another couple of minutes. Uh, if you do want to throw in uh, a comment or an observation or respond to any of the comments that I've read out thus far, I'll roll through and check because I know we had a situation where there was missing a few. I was missing a couple of things for whatever reason, probably just because I'm a, a technical numpty, as I've mentioned on many an occasion. Just coming through, everyone, doesn't appear that there is anything there to that particular point, so I'll give it another 30 seconds or so. A reminder, if you do want to get involved in Wednesday night for Nigel, as I say, look out on a Monday night, facebook.com forward slash NigelNZ. I will put there a, a Nigel Yolden Sport, I should say, Nigel Yolden Sports, facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sports. Look out for the, the post, put your comments there, I will answer them, or you just tune in on a Wednesday night. And as I say, thank you for your company. I know sort of starting a little bit later. Um, and just put your comments in there. If you listen to the podcast, again, just go to that Facebook page. Give us a like. Send your question through. DM it to me. Uh, post it, however you want to do it. And I'll just make sure it's part of the conversation. Really do appreciate it. I think we're going to call it quits, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It has been so glad to have your company. Uh, really do appreciate it. Some great questions, great conversation there. Enjoy your sport. Uh, another good weekend of sport uh, rocking up. Good to see the Origin teams. Obviously, we've got Test Match Cricket. Yes, good luck to Devin Conway. Good luck to Devin Con Conway on his Test debut. At Lords, how good is that? If you're going to make a Test Match debut, and I know a lot of people would say, oh, you'd want to do it on your home deck. If you're going to make a debut in a Test Match, how good to do it at the home of cricket? My goodness, my goodness gracious me. Uh, Sammy wants to say go Queensland. Oh, gee, you'll be a bucket, a bucket load of fun from Sydney. Putting yourself right in the eye of the storm there, fella. Uh, Brad, appreciate your work as well, my man. Thank you so much to everybody for your company. We will do it all again next Wednesday night. Keep an eye on the Facebook page. That is facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sport. This has been another edition of Wednesday Night with Nigel. This is where sport, talk and coffee collide. Matewa.